Praise the Lord. Today we're studying a book, and I want us to understand clearly why we're studying this book. I don't know how many of us have taken time to read an entire chapter of the Bible this year, but today we're reading the smallest chapter you can ever want to take challenge on. The book of Philemon is what we want to study today. It's a New Testament. The book of Philemon was the letter of Paul. Why do I want to study this? What is the important uh, thing that I want to learn from this book? I mean, every believer has a journey. And your journey is going to be very hard sometimes, very challenging sometimes. Uh, today, I want us to look at how, uh, what you can learn from this book. Uh, Paul was in prison. He has been in prison for two years, Acts chapter 28. If you read uh, through the part, uh, verse 30, he has been in prison. Uh, and before he was sentenced to prison, actually, he has been in detention for three years before that time. Okay, he, was, he went to, to the synagogue in Jerusalem. A lot of other Greeks came and they said it was because of Paul, because of his message. So he was arrested, he was thrown and sent to Caesarea. There he was tried by Felix, he was tried by Festus, he was detained for a while. And eventually he appealed to Caesar in Rome. And it took two years before that appeal got through. Eventually when the appeal got through, he was sent to Rome, and when he got to Rome, they addressed him and said, why did you come? He said, uh, they didn't send any, any charge. And he was like, they didn't send any charge? They said that they wanted to kill me, but I was just preaching Jesus, and, and they were like, just stay in prison until. So he was under house arrest in Rome. While he was in Rome, he wrote four letters. Four letters that were very important. Today, we read them as books in the Bible. The book of Colossians, the book of Ephesians, the book of Philippians. Those were letters he wrote while in prison. And then the fourth one was to Philemon. Philemon was a rich man, a rich brother. And we're going to read through, you know, scripture by scripture and then get things from here. He wrote to Philemon, a very wealthy brother. You can be a Christian and be wealthy. Okay? You can be a Christian and be serving God and you are very rich. Amen. So, uh, Philemon was a brother and Philemon at that time had slaves <laughs> that meant it was pretty much very interesting character so i would like to take us through the scriptures as we journey i just set the the tone there so uh paul was in rome uh in under house arrest and then he had a lot of people coming to visit him because he couldn't travel back out anymore and um there he sent letters uh, years after jesus had passed I read from verse 1. It's only one chapter, but I want us to go step by step to see. Philemon, verse 1. Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. So pretty much Timothy was there uh, with him at that time. I want us to know as well that Timothy was one of the young folks that Paul brought up and made uh, a head of a small fellowship in a small city. And he made him pastor. And then he sent him letters to warn him and correct him as well. So, prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our friend. So, Paul referred to Philemon as our friend. So, he was a friend of Paul of some sort. And fellow laborer. He was also a worker. A rich man that was also a worker or a fellow soldier in some interpretations. And he said, even to folks that live in your house, I fear your wife, I keep us your son, 
our fellow soldiers to the church that live in your house. In the house of Philemon was house fellowship. Uh, one of the things that we've done and not done well is house fellowship. Nobody wants to do house fellowship anymore because when people come to your house, they'll be checking everything and you don't want anybody in your house anymore. All right? But then we have to get out of all those fears of unknowns. So Philemon and the church in your house. The only place that is sacred to you is your house. That's where you rest. That's where you get, you know, recoup. At the same time, you can also invite other people to fellowship in your house. It doesn't have to be some elaborate thing. It has to be a place when people come, you can chat, you can talk, you can search the scriptures, you can challenge one another. It says, to church in your house. The people that come to your house to fellowship with you, that's the church. I want to challenge us as we're studying this book of Philemon. What are the people that come to fellowship in your house? What do they do? Most of the time, the things that we engage and talk about all day long, all week long, all year long, is politics, soccer, football, baseball. If we are not satisfied with that, we extend it to some other things. People, city, what's happening. Those are great things, of course. But at least always factor in into our plan to also talk about something about spiritual growth. Challenge somebody about their lives. Ask them, how is God helping you? How has church helped you? How has your relationship with other people been? Challenge them, ask them, are you still serving God? You know, sometimes I feel tired about this God thing, but how about you? Bring up questions like that. Quickly, I'm sure that may not be a long conversation, but at least it's always important. Now, people that come around you, then will know sometimes your house also is a place where they can fellowship. This place is not just the only place of fellowship. So to church in your house. Grace and peace from God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God every time I hear of your name, every time I remember you, I thank God. Because when I'm praying, I know and I hear of your love. Can anyone always say, oh, I know Brother Alfred, he's always loving people. I know Sister, you know, uh, Buki, she's always, you know, loving people. I know, you know, uh, Brother Akin, he's always enthusiastic about everything. Can people say that? That when I remember you, I know of your love and I thank God when I pray. I want us to learn something from Paul's relationship with Philemon here. He always also prays for him. He prays for him. People that come to your house that you remember in your prayers, what kind of acquaintance is that? What kind of friendship is that? I'm not saying you pray for them every day. I mean, you can't pray for them every week. But least, people that come to your house are people that you admit. If they are not working in your house or working for you, they must be your friend of some sort. Pray for them. Pray for your friends. Pray for people that fellowship in your house. I thank God when I remember you every time. Hearing of your love and faith which you have towards the Lord and towards all saints. Two things. You have faith towards God and I can hear of your love and the way you show that to people that love God. That's kind of church. That's what church is. Uh, I pray to God that this church will not be just a church in name. It's not going to be a parish in name. It's not just going to be a place where people say, well, I like it because I like Redeemed Christian Church of God. 
It will be a place where people say, I like it because I love coming here because I can serve God, because I can pray to Jesus, because I can serve or do something. I read verse 6. Sharing of your faith with, may become effective by acknowledgement of every good thing in Christ. Uh, when you share your faith with other people, let it be known. Talk about your faith. Some of us can't do that. We must always talk about our faith. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the heart of saints have been refreshed by you. This is basically what he's saying is this. We are so thankful to God because everybody that comes in contact with you in your house, their spirits are always refreshed. Do you know sometimes you visit some people, you're always happy when you want to leave them. Because they will have asked you a question. They will have interacted with you. They will have challenged you. They will have probably just, just listened to you. And they will have refreshed your heart. Sometimes some people, they leave you worse. But we as Christians, we should learn from this. Paul said, I thank God for your faith and for the love and the way you share that love with other people. Please, if we are going to be real Christians, share your faith with other people. Leave people refreshed when you go. Leave people refreshed when you go. Leave people refreshed when you go. When people meet you and they just say, oh, I'm just going to talk to brother so and so, let them, after that conversation, feel like, oh, yeah, I think I'm challenged now. I think I'm encouraged now. When people tell you of things that are going down in their life, encourage them and say, don't worry. I may not be able to solve this problem, but God can help us. I pray God will help you. I pray God will strengthen you. By the time you finish, they'll feel like, you know, somebody encourages me. You know, somebody's making me to, to, to feel happier. Not just happy in the worldly thing, but someone is challenging me to greater things. Someone calls you, say, oh, I'm just troubled on every side. You say, what well, the Lord is on your side. You begin to speak scriptures on the phone. When was the last time you speak scriptures to somebody that calls you on the phone? Someone calls you with fear. Someone calls you with confusion. And you say, no, don't worry. God is more than able to help you. He will keep you. He will strengthen you. He will bless you. I know God will take you through this challenge. It looks impossible, but God is able. He says, every time people come in contact with you, Philemon, their hearts are refreshed. We should learn that from Philemon. He was a rich man. He had a big house. He had other people coming to the house there. But he used his house. Every time we go to church now, we feel some sense of body. That should never be. It should be a sense of fellowship. Sense of fellowship. Verse 8. Philemon chapter 1 verse 8. Now this is where the story begins. Of where you will see some things we can learn as Christians. Therefore, though I may be very bold to command you, yet for the sake of love, I would rather appeal to you. Because I am just the old brother Paul that you know. And I'm also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. What is he talking about here? He says, look, I'm very old. Look, I'm a prisoner. I know you have been a fellow laborer. You have been a good brother. I might as well use that relationship and command you and say, Brother Philemon, do something for me. But no, I won't say that. I would rather beg you in the name of God. I would rather beg you in the name of God. 
Verse 10. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. Who was Onesimus? Paul was writing to Philemon. Philemon, you are a rich man. Philemon, you have money. You have your wife. You have your son. You have house fellowship around you. And I know you've refreshed other people, but I beg you in the name of God. For one of these brothers called Onesimus, I have found him while I have been imprisoned in Rome. He was sent here. So what is it that made Paul to be begging? Paul was not, never a man that begs. He's always claiming and always using scriptures. But in this case, he was begging the brother that he called a friend, a brother that he called a fellow laborer, a worker. He sent a letter to him from prison. He said, please, I beg you. I know I'm not commanding you, though I may be old. I may be in prison. You will have considered me to be, yes, I can speak like with authority. But no, I'm begging you in the name of God concerning this, my son, Onesimus. I found him while I was in jail, in, in chains, verse 11. Who was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to me? The backstory of that, and we'll see it down there, was the fact that Onesimus was a slave in the house of Philemon. Onesimus stole stuff, defrauded the master, and ran away. And both of them now became Christians. Both of, both of them now became saved. Can you imagine someone that works for you, robbed you, left, became born again, you born again, and you now meet one day at HEB. You meet one day at Walmart. What would be the reaction? Ah, that, that guy that stole from me. What are you supposed to do? Call 911. Or, I'm not going to do that. I'm born again now. I will just keep my straight face. I will never look his direction. After all, he stole from me. After all, he did me wrong. After all, he was not brotherly to me. In fact, you are my servant, a slave in my house. Onesimus became a Christian when he met Paul in jail. He was a slave of Philemon. Philemon was a brother that worked with Paul as well. So let's keep reading this part so that we can see. Verse 12, Philemon chapter 1, verse 12. I, brother Paul, I am sending him back to you. Uh, you please receive him as if you're going to receive my heart. I'm sending Onesimus back to you. Please receive him as if you're receiving me. Oh, seriously? Has anybody done something bad to you? In your family? In the church? At your workplace? And then, someday, you find out that they're Christians. And they are also like speaking about Jesus Christ everywhere. And you look at them and scoff at them. <laughs> you look at them with this strange thing that God is forgiving everybody, that person. Sometimes because you don't know the gravity of people's sins or their lifestyle before, you kind of give them a pass. But if you are very conversant with their lifestyle before, oh, you knew it was an admin brother. Oh, a very known prostitute in, in the city. You know, a person that completely has done very heinous things. And now, 
heart of another, you know. Bible says, and they caught the woman in the very act of adultery. Very act. You know, when they're caught in the very act, that means they have evidence. In today's world, it means that there is a Facebook picture or video of what happened. So a Facebook picture or video of what happened that was recorded or probably streamed live, that's Facebook live, right? So everybody knows it. And now that brother became Christian. And I come to your church. At the moment he's working in that, you know, I don't want to say it. Just keep the person in People like you. I want us to look at it. What kind of Christian are we? I'm not saying we should not have judgment. I'm just asking us to be Christians. I'm sending him back to you. Receive him as if you receive me. Verse 13. Whom I wish to keep him with me. So that on behalf of you, he can help me while I'm in this house arrest. Because I'm under chains. But I still must preach the gospel. So I need some other people to help me run around in this city of Rome. Because if you read Acts 28, the Bible says that every single worker in the house of Caesar heard the gospel through Paul. Even the soldiers that were making sure that this guy never gets out. He was still preaching to them. Oh, what a Christian. We're not like that because we're smart. So we don't forgive. We're not like that because we're smart. Because we always remember the bad things people do to us. Oh, but Bible tells us that yes, you must always forgive. I don't want anybody to signal it, but please, is there someone that still offends you badly right now and you don't want to forgive them? I beg you in the name of God, please forgive. Well, you say, ah, it's because you don't know the details. And there is always devil in the details. And that's why you need to kick the devil out. There's devil in the details because, yeah, you say, if you are you, if you, you being a Christian, you can preach it, preach it. But can you do it? They asked Jesus, how many times should my own brothers hurt me before I stop forgiving them? Five times? Four times? Seven times? Say, well, yeah, that's convenient. Let's do 70 times. Seven. That's just saying, look, just, and that's just, and don't let your anger stay to tomorrow, right? Just try and keep the record for one day. How many times should not my church members, not someone that worked with me at office, at least that's casual, I'll get away from them after seven hours. My brothers, someone that is close to me, someone that can't, when it hurt me, it really hurts bad. Sincerely, if there is any lesson we're going to learn from Philemon, it's Paul begging him, says, you are a brother, you are a fellow worker, your house is a place where people come as church. However, someone robbed you, someone stole from you, someone that you own as a property, you could have put everything out there to arrest him and do everything, but now he is now a Christian. His name is Onesimus, you know him. I could have commanded you by authority being an old person because we walk together and say, please just let this brother stay with you, but I beg you, receive him back as if you are receiving me. Take him. 
I would love to keep him with me in Rome so that he can help me with the work of the ministry because I can't go out. They won't let me go out. I'm under house arrest. But it will not be of great use for me. It will be greatly used in Colossae where you live. Verse 14. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. That your good deed might not be by a compulsion, as if it were, but voluntary. I want you to voluntarily show forth your maturity in God now. To forgive a slave you owned, that has stolen from you, that ran away from you, now found Christ to accept him back. First of all, I want us to know greatly beyond just someone that, you know, uh, that hurt you back. If anybody becomes a Christian, please accept them. If someone truly, truly, truly gives their life to Christ and you can tell that this person is confessing and is acting in line with the word of God, accept them. What if they've done something bad? And I mean really bad. Let's talk really bad now. What is bad? What if someone already killed somebody before? Uh, you say, well, we can't be foolish. We're American. I'm an adult. How can I forgive such a person? Oh, yeah. That's what God is asking you. What if someone has done something really, really bad? And you get to know about it. Oh, well, yeah. As long as the person actually repents. Repentance is not words. Repentance is action. Someone turns around. Someone begins to say, I used to be this. I do them no more. I used to do this. I do them. Of course, well, you say, well, but I know people. They will change again. But then, yeah, Christ could have said that same thing to you and I. Oh, I know, brother. You know, Pokemla, he will change again. So don't let me forgive him. No, but Christ never does that. He says, for as your sins are, I move as east is far away from, I separate them. I remember them no more. God is not a God that has amnesia. It's not a God that he, he cannot remember. But he chooses not to remember and he's asking us to be like him. Philemon I don't want you by compulsion. Many times people ask this question and ask me, oh, you know, why can't you say this and tell someone I said, I have never been a spiritual police. I can't tell people something and say, stop doing this or stop doing that. I can only encourage and persuade and beg you. There is no authority. Jesus could have made everyone to believe him. But he says, oh, as many as would love to see God, I want you to choose. Say, for today there is before you life and death. Pick one. Pick one. So I beg us in the name of God. Philemon was a rich man. Philemon had his own family. He was using his own house as a church. He had slaves, of which one of them was Onesimus. Onesimus stole, robbed, and ran away. But somehow, let's see this. Paul convinced Onesimus. Go back to your master. But now I want to go there and serve. Oh, yeah. If I was an Esmas, I'd be like, I'm going back, but not to where I used to be a bad person. I will go somewhere else if you want me to go. But here is the thing. We just learned that. God, where will you want me to be used to? Where will you want me to be used to? Uh, Paul knew something about Colossae very well. If you read the book of Colossians, you will see the mind. If you read the book of Acts, you will see how Paul, having interacted with people in Colossae, he challenges. Paul was a man that suffered a lot. He saw a lot. He understood a lot. He saw all kinds of challenges. So when he set people up, 
When he started ministries, he would see problem in this city. There is problem in this city. There is problem in this city. And it will encourage more people to go and stay in those places. That's why we call him an apostle. He has missions. Missionary he was. Verse 15. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave. But more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. He left you, but I perceive God, being God, that he allowed all these events to transpire, and now he's coming back to you. He left you as a slave. But he is coming back now. I wanted to take him not as a slave, but as a brother. That's hard, especially if you are the boss. It says, take him back. But not just in the flesh, but also in the law. Because it says, when it comes to you, I want him to serve. He could have stayed with me in Rome, but I want him to serve. One of the hallmarks of a great Christian is service to God. And that service is independent of time and place and circumstance. Every time I've been challenged, why are you still in Redeemed Christian Church of God? I'm like, where do you want me to go? Well, there are so many churches. There are so many closer to my home. At least I can count 20 before I get here. But where God wants me to serve is where God has placed me so that I can meet brothers and sisters that we can talk together and live together and challenge ourselves. Tomorrow, if God sends me somewhere else, I will go. Peru, Iceland, the long way. I will go. I'm sure everybody's like, ah, deceive yourself. I know you can say it on the pulpit. Let God hear you for once. Oh, absolutely. God hears me every time. Every time. He hears me in my heart. Uh, who here will volunteer to go to Saudi Arabia? The only thing we want to go is UAE. We want to go to UAE to shop. Not for missions. But if God is going to send me anywhere, I want to go anywhere God will have me. Because I know wherever God will send me, He will bless me there. And the blessing is not money. The blessing is the peace of mind and health. The blessing is being constantly with God. Yesterday I taught my children a lot of things. Because, you know, we challenge ourselves. Uh, it was teaching them anatomy of the brain. And we're talking about concussion, mind trauma, and everything. And they were asking questions. I said, okay, so you know now that your brain has about 100 billion neurons. And, you know, if you have a massive head shake, uh, you could lose some of the connections in your brain and you will not be able to remember things. And to them, it was amazing. Like, so how do memories form? Well, you see things that register in your brain, and then that's how it is, and then you can lose them. You see people with Parkinson's disease and all kinds of things that they have smaller brain over time. So they're like, oh wow, so all these things, uh, God made us say, well, yeah, God. So can God stop anything from happening? Absolutely, yes. God can make the brain to heal back. But really, most times, you know, they don't heal back, you know, when you start losing connections. And they begin to ask so many more interesting questions. 
And then we were talking about the, the lever, uh, the functions of the lever and everything. I had to show them videos. We do text, you know. Uh, we watch the video and we do question and answer. And one thing I see is that, you know, they constantly wonder about this structure of God, how he made us and everything. And one thing I see from them is the fact that God has placed me right there for them now. If tomorrow I'm dead and gone, I will not be able to fulfill that purpose. And that is the essence of placement. God places you somewhere so that you can be functional, so that you can discharge your duty. When the time is over, it's over. Oh, when I'm lying dead somewhere in the box where they put me, I don't know whether it's going to be brown cover or gold cover or whatever. I'm sure it's going to be far away from where I really want to be. I will not be able to teach them any of those things. And that is what purpose is all about. What's your purpose? Why are you here now? Oh, time is running away. Every time you hear the tick of that clock, that is one less time you have. Oh, I wish I could do something. I wish I could carry more weight. I, no, no, no. Yeah, time is going. Every time you keep wishing and wishing, time is going. Which I believe because it's what you do now. Paul said, the purpose for which I believe he came back to you, I want you to understand it. This man was a slave before, but he's coming back. I beg you, receive him as if you're receiving me. He was unprofitable to you before, but please consider that he comes back in the flesh. But not just as a slave, but as a brother, because now he has changed. I met him while I was in prison. I could have detained him. I could have used him in Rome. There is a lot of work. The reason why they sell all roads lead to Rome was because Rome was the center of civilization that time. So it would have been a great missionary work to keep Onesimus in Rome. Paul under house arrest, that was one restless man of God I've ever seen. 